Chapter 7. For the love of God controls us. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all. Love is to control us. What a powerful statement to make, to say that you are controlled by the love of Christ, that all the decisions you make, the way you live, your priorities, where you spend your time, energy, and resources, and ultimately what you live for is because of the love of Christ you have received. What are we controlled by? What determines the decisions we make and the priorities we hold to? What determines who we live for and how we live for those things? Do we live from Paul's reality, the love of Christ, or are we still wrapped up in the love of self? This is a massive truth that we must allow ourselves to be confronted with and apprehended by. If we are not living for God, then we will be living for ourselves. We will be actively building our own empire as opposed to allowing the kingdom to be built within and through us. We either live for the one true God or we live for the God of self. The choice is ours. The context surrounding 2 Corinthians 5 is all about the temporal and the eternal. The chapter starts by talking about our future eternal home and reality and also has us focusing on a greater reality to be experienced by God's people now. Paul's purpose is to get our eyes off ourselves and what we experience in this mortal body and to paint an accurate picture of where our true life exists. The Bible says God has prepared us for this very purpose. The revelation of this living reality plays a significant part in our ability to live a life controlled by the love of Christ. In verse 7, we see Paul write these words, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by physical sight and what we see in the physical, but we look into the spiritual dimension and live our lives from this perspective. This is a divine perspective because its anchor is in the spirit, and this is where God's people live from. Paul then shares about the judgment seat of Christ and how we will all be held to an account for the life we have lived, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What will our judgment seat look like if we have lived a life controlled by the love of Christ? What will our judgment seat look like if we have lived a life controlled by the love of self, which is lust? There is a reward to be received at this judgment seat. Those who are controlled by the love of God, living for what they see in the eternal realm, will receive a reward at the judgment seat of Christ. In contrast, those who live for temporal things, being controlled by the love of self, will suffer loss at this judgment. The Consequences of Living for oneself. Paul goes on to say how he and others are trying to persuade men and make them aware that this judgment seat is coming. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. 
Look at the words with which he starts the statement, knowing the fear of the Lord. Paul knows what awaits all followers, and he is attempting to wake the church up through writing these words. He knows that followers who are not living from this eternal posture will be living for a temporal one, and this is living for oneself. To be controlled by love, one must know the love of God. One must have and be experiencing 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 love, for this is the love of Christ. One cannot be controlled by a love that they have not yet tasted or experienced. If you do not yet know a measure of this love by which we are being controlled, then it is not too late to ask, seek, and knock on heaven's door. Receiving his love humbles. God responds to the hungry, thirsty, and desperate hearts, hearts that want him and his ways more than they want their own. The Bible describes the love of the Father as wide, deep, tall, and long, and that it is a love which surpasses knowledge. Ephesians 3, 18-19 This love is available today as it was when Paul wrote these words, just as it has been from the beginning of time. If we pursue love as the Bible teaches, we will experience a love so overwhelmingly magnificent and transcendent that we will never be the same again. Romans 5 verse 5 And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's the love of Christ operating within us that enables and empowers us to live out the truth that 2 Corinthians 5.15 declares. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Paul was the greatest advocate for the church to no longer live for oneself, but to live for Jesus alone. The church has been called to imitate Paul as he imitates the Christ. In other words, the church is to be the greatest example of a people who no longer live for their own selfish desires and wants, but are wholeheartedly devoted to becoming mature sons and doing the Father's will from the motivation of love and not task or function. Notice how Paul says that Jesus died for all, so all could have the opportunity to live for him. Jesus doesn't discriminate a person by bloodline, nationality, color, culture, education, intelligence, ability, or gender. We all have the opportunity to no longer live for ourselves and to live for Christ. It then becomes a matter of our own personal choice and choices as to what we treasure and where our treasure truly lies. Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We see Paul declaring an awesome truth in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 for all those who are in Christ. It would have to be one of the, God's greatest promises for his church, his sons. Let's look at it. Living as a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. If we are in Christ, then we are a new creature. Not because of our ability to become a new creature, but because we are now in Christ. Christ qualifies us and Christ empowers and enables us to live as a new creature. Because we are a new creature, it now becomes possible to live as a new creature. A new creature no longer lives for itself, 
but it lives for the one who made it a new creature. The eating of Christ's body and the drinking of Christ's blood is what enables us to live as we are called to. God has made the way possible for the church to live from the eternal place now, no longer dieting on the temporal and living from this temporal position. John 6.27 Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Deuteronomy 8.3 He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. God is going to judge us for the way we have lived our lives on earth. As mentioned, this is why there is a judgment seat for the church. He is not going to judge us for our sin, but for our obedience to his commandments. He's going to judge us on whether we live for him because we were new creatures or whether we live for ourselves as a new creature. God is the God of truth and reality and he expects to see the reality for which he died demonstrated by his people. He looks to see a church living to glorify his name and not their own name. Romans 15 verse 9 And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy. Being a model or letter of the new. As mentioned, God has given the church everything she needs to live a life of godliness. God has given the church his spirit, his love, his power, his word, and his gifts. To see a people established on the earth who no longer live for themselves but him. A people he has raised from the death and into life. Therefore, if we are in Christ, There are no excuses for not stepping into the fullness of life that he has for us. God expects to see a body on the earth where he is the head that truly reflects himself. He has always been looking for his bride and his bride will model Christ-like behavior. How did Christ live? For himself or for his father's will? Christ lived for his father and for others. He gave his life to serve the father and others and we too must live the same if we expect to be his bride. All that stands in the way of us becoming this people is us. God's patience with us is incredible. While we continue to live for ourselves, God's patience is being outworked, even though we are unaware of it. He waits and waits and waits and waits and waits in the hope that we will realize just how foolish we are being trying to live for ourselves rather than living for him. 1 Timothy 1, 15-17 It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying his very life is the demonstration of God's patience. Paul came into the life he was called and chosen for, and I would ask us, are we? Jesus gives us very clear instructions as to what no longer living for yourself looks like 
and what starting to living for him looks like. His starting point to everything is relationship. The great commandment is the greatest challenge God has given to every man he has given life to. Whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, the greatest test known to mankind is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This love must be from heaven's perspective and not our version of heaven's perspective. The reason this is our greatest test is because we cannot do this from our own strength, ability, wisdom, or knowledge. We are completely unable to live this truth out without the grace of God being a reality in our lives. His grace is the power to live this reality out. As his followers, we need to be living from the power of God operating within us if we expect to be able to live out the greatest commandment. We need heaven's operating system working in us and not earth's. Paul gives us heaven's operating system in Colossians 1, 29. God's operating system, his power. Colossians 1, 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul cannot make it any more clear in what he is teaching here. He is saying that he strives, he lives his life out, his new created life in accordance to God's power, which mightily works within him. This is how we are to live. Paul said, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Christ lived with the power of his Father living within him mightily. Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus the Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. Paul lived with the power of God mightily working within him. We too are to live with the power of God working mightily within us. This is what enables us to be controlled by love and no longer live for ourselves, but live for the one who died for us. Do we know about this power that exists in God? Because if we don't have a reference for it, then how can we live mightily from it? The answer is simple. We can't. If we find ourselves with no reference for this power, then we need to get on our faces in prayer and with supplications and piety, start asking God to reveal it in us. Jesus told his disciples that he would send forth the promise of his Father and that they must stay in the city until they were clothed with power from on high. Luke 24, 49. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Unless we experience this reality of being clothed with power through the receiving of the Holy Spirit, we will all struggle to live out the great commandment of loving God with all we are. We will attempt to do this in our own strength, but fail miserably from exhaustion, stress, and burnout, which leads us into disillusionment, thinking this reality in Christ is impossible. We are right to some degree. It is impossible with man. When we operate from the natural and haven't received God's power, we tend to have people or animals or possessions or objects at the center of our lives. And we will pour out our human affection on these things, finding ourselves not worthy of Jesus. Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It is only with the right operating system in God, his power working mightily in us, 
that we will naturally find ourselves being able to live out the great commandment of loving God with all we are. Hence, being controlled by the love of God is essential to this imitating life. 